Do you long to be righteous? Can you say, yes, I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart? No, I know you're not perfect. None of us is perfect. But one day you will be. The thing is, are you eagerly waiting, longing for that day, longing for righteousness? So we are waiting, we're longing for the hope of righteousness because we just love God's law. Well, how do you wait? What do you do in the meantime? Do we strive to keep God's law and be as good as we can until the day when he makes us righteous? If you said yes to that, go to the bottom of the class, you haven't been paying attention you're free. Have you not got that yet? Paul says, we through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. By faith we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. We wait for the hope of righteousness, not slavishly keeping the law, but living by faith. Now what does that look like? What does living by faith mean? This is where we go to Hebrews chapter 11. Because in Hebrews 11, what we have is a long list of people who lived by faith. And we're given examples of the things that they did that showed they were living by faith. So Hebrews 11 is probably the best place to go to if you want to know what living by faith looks like. But before he starts with his examples, the writer of Hebrews gives a brief definition of faith. Here it is. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being thoroughly convinced that the things we hope for, even though we cannot see it, the things we hope for, the things God has promised it's being thoroughly convinced that those things will happen. And it's being thoroughly convinced that the things that God has said are true. Even though we cannot see it here and now, we are convinced, we are sure, we are certain that those things are beyond doubt true. That's faith. For example, God has said that I am going to heaven. I look forward to that. I am sure about that. I am thoroughly convinced of it. I can't see heaven. I don't know where it is. But I know I'm going there. How can I be so sure? How do I know? The answer is, I know by faith. God has said it, and I believe it. Or to look at it another way, how were the worlds made? You look up into the sky at night, you see all the stars, you think of all the planets out there way far in distances that you cannot imagine. Where did they come from? I wasn't there when they were made, I couldn't tell you. I can't look back in time and see how they were made, but I know without a doubt 
that God made the worlds by the word of his command. How do I know? Faith. He said it, and I'm convinced of it. Faith is being thoroughly convinced that the things that we hope for, the things that God has promised will happen, will happen. And that the things that God has said are true, even though we cannot see it, they are certainly true. And so living by faith then is living as if the things that God has promised, the things that God has told us that are recorded for us in his word are absolutely true, certain, sure, rock solid, dependable, whatever it might be that we can see or can't see. Now, here are the examples the writer to the Hebrews gives us. Well, some of them, we haven't time to list them all. Verse 4, he says, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. In verse 7, he says, By faith Noah prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. In verse 8, he says, By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed God, going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. Verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Verses 24 to 26, By faith Moses When he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sins. There are lots of other examples in the chapter. But that's enough for you to see the pattern. What does living by faith in practice, what does it look like? Well, it looks like doing what God asks you to do, doesn't it? That's what it looks like. But the thing that Hebrews 11 emphasizes is that none of these things were done in slavish obedience. It tells us that they were done by faith. That was the thing that motivated the obedience. All of these people listed in Hebrews 11 were thoroughly convinced that the things that they hoped for were going to happen They were thoroughly convinced that everything that God said was certainly true, even though they couldn't see it at the time. And that is why they did what they did. They said, God's word, this is true. This is reality. Whatever else my eyes or my ears or my head might be telling me, this will never let me down. These words... The Word of God, this is what tells me what is real, what is right, what is true. This defines the world I live in. This is what directs my life. That's what it is to live by faith. And Paul says, We eagerly, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The promises of God, they will surely happen. And the things that God has said, they are 100% reliably, rock solidly, dependably true. God's word is what is real. Now, I couldn't begin to list for you all of the things that God has taught us in his word and all of the promises that he has made. Time wouldn't allow that even if I could do it. But here's just a few to be thinking about. He has promised you heaven. 
He has promised you the full forgiveness of your sins. He has promised that you will be declared righteous and you will be made righteous. He has told you that he will always be with you, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he will bring you to heaven no matter what and nothing can hinder that. He has told you that in every situation that comes about in your life, in every circumstance that happens, he is working for your good and he makes no mistakes. He has told you that there is no one in this world and there is no thing that can harm you because he watches over you and he surrounds you and protects you with his power and his love. He has told you that he will give you the longings of your heart and that's just a few of the things that God has promised to those who love him. Now, if you are thoroughly convinced of those things, the world looks like a very different place, doesn't it? If even just those few of God's promises are true, well, it changes the way you see everything. Really, doesn't it? If you're convinced of those things, well, for a start, the world really doesn't matter very much, does it? It doesn't mean very much to you because it's only a temporary home. You're just passing through. And in terms of eternity and heaven and the glory to come, well, it's just a fleeting thing. You're 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, whatever years here, seem like a flash before long. The world doesn't matter very much. Possessions really don't matter at all. Rich or poor, doesn't matter. Wealth, position, exam results, career, does it matter? It's all just a means to an end. You're bound for heaven. God's taking you there. You'll be there, no doubt about it, whatever. That's where you're going. You'll be there for all eternity. You're here just for a tiny little way. And for one reason only, and that is to glorify him. None of those other things matter. And there's nothing about the world that's frightening anymore. If God is with you, Surrounding you with his power, protecting you with his love, providing for you with his bountiful grace, guarding you, keeping you, working all things for your good. There's nothing in this world to be afraid of. There's nothing to be anxious about. No worries. Because the word of God is sure. Wow. Makes a difference, doesn't it? Think hard about this now and try to imagine what life would be like. Try to imagine. Free from the burden of having to keep rules and now living by faith. No anxiety, no care, no pressure. Rejoicing in God and in the hope of all those future blessings that he has promised, delighting in his law. Delighting in his law because, you see, when you view the world with the eyes of faith, well then, really, doing what God says, it's so clearly, it's so blindingly, obviously, the best thing to do and the happiest thing to do, isn't it? When you see things with the eyes of faith, it's a joy to walk with God.
a delight, a pleasure. I hope you can see from all of this that faith is not just a decision at a point in time. Faith is a way of life. Living by faith, yes, it's knowing that he died for you. It's knowing that your sins are forgiven because of his sacrifice for you. But living by faith is so, so much more than that, isn't it? Living by faith is being convinced that everything he said and all of his promises are true. And then living day by day, minute by minute, step by step, as if they are true. And doing what he says. Not doing it under compulsion. Not doing it because it's a law that you've got to obey. Doing it gladly, joyfully, from a heart that eagerly waits for the hope of righteousness and bubbles over with happiness. Because this way is the very best way. Are you living by faith? I suspect that there might be a few of you who are listening to this and you're thinking, what is he talking about? Joyfully obeying God? Can't understand that. It's a struggle. It's a battle every day. It's a bind. It's a burden. I do it, to be honest, because I'm afraid of hell and I'm afraid of the wrath of God. And it's hard work. There's no faith there. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. The writer to the Hebrews tells us, without faith, it's impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He says right at the beginning, it was by faith that the elders obtained a good testimony. They won God's approval, not because of the things they did. That's the very thing that Hebrews 11 is teaching us is not true. Abel wasn't approved of by God because of the sacrifice he made. Noah wasn't approved of by God because he built an ark. Abraham wasn't approved of by God because he left his home and went out where he didn't know where he was going. They were approved of by God because they lived by faith. They trusted the promises of God. They believed that they were rock-solid, dependably true, and they didn't doubt. And because they didn't doubt, the world looked like a better place to them, a totally different place to them, and the only thing to do was to do it God's way. Some of you, and I think this will probably be most of you, you're maybe thinking, yes, I know what you mean, but it's not that way with me all of the time, if I'm honest. Sometimes obedience is a joy and a delight. Sometimes the cares of life are lifted and the promises of God shine out and the anxiety seems to fade for a little while. Sometimes it's as if the cloud is gone and I can see clearly with the eyes of faith all the way to heaven and I delight that I'm going there and the world doesn't seem to matter to me anymore. Sometimes it's like that, but then it passes. And the fog settles down again. And once more, obedience is a discipline. And the path to heaven seems to be uphill. And it feels like hard work. Yeah, I know what you mean. Faith is there. But it's weak. Oh, so weak. So what is needed then is more faith and stronger faith. That's what's needed. And what I want to do just for a few minutes before we close is to think about what are those things that God uses to strengthen our faith? 
And the first thing I would say is that we've always got to remember that faith is something God gives to us. It's not something you work up in yourself. Because if that was the case, then, well, you would be back to earning your salvation, wouldn't you? You know, if I can work up enough faith, then I'd be saved. But you don't do that. God gives you faith. By grace, you're saved through faith and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God. So if you need more faith, if you want your faith to be strengthened, you remember it's a gift of God and you have got to start by asking God for it. It begins with prayer. So then if faith is weak, ask, pray, plead with God. And remember one of those promises that he withholds no good thing from those who ask. But when God gives faith to us, it's not usually just boom, zap, there you've got faith now. There are ways that God goes about it. Certain things that he uses to strengthen our faith. And the first of those things, and perhaps the most important, is the Word of God itself. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Romans 10, verse 17. He brings along someone to preach the Word, just what you need to hear at that particular time, or you read something in your own personal Bible study, and a light flashes on for you, and God uses that to strengthen your faith. So if you would have your faith grow stronger, then, well, put yourself in the position where that can happen. Listen to God's Word being preached. Come to worship where the Word of God is preached. Listen to sermons which are so freely available these days online. Read and study the Word of God for yourself. That's one way that God strengthens our faith. Here's another says in Hebrews 3, verse 13, Exhort or encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is deceitful. And one of the ways that sin pulls us down is by making the world and the things that are in it seem to be so much sharper and clearer and more real than what it says in God's word. And there's that constant pull, isn't there? We have on the one hand the promises of God. God says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, in all things I am working for good to those who love me. And you look at what's going on in your life and everything seems to be going wrong and the whole place seems to be falling down around you and somehow that seems to be brighter and clearer and more real than the word of God. Deceitfulness of sin. And when that happens, often what we need is a brother or sister in the Lord to come along and from God's Word, some principle from God's Word, maybe a verse that's appropriate, say to us, now, come on, let's get things in perspective here again. Let's look at our Bible and see what's real and what's not real and what's true and what's not true. And so the writer to the Hebrews says, encourage one another daily while it is called today. So the second thing you can do, or the third thing rather, you can pray, you can place yourself in the way of hearing God's word. The third thing is to be in fellowship with other Christians. People who can give you that encouragement. Are you doing that? Now, to do that, we've talked about this before, it's more than just coming to services. It's more than just sitting down and having a cup of tea with people. You've got to open yourself up to people. You've got to trust people. You've got to talk to people about how it is with you spiritually. You've got to have people who you have that kind of friendship with 
that they can see when things are getting a bit out of perspective for you and say, hey, I'm concerned about you. Let me help you. And you can do the same for them. Fellowship is important and urgent if we want to keep our faith strong. And finally, one more way that faith is increased. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 to 10 Peter describes the the promise of heaven, the hope that we have as Christians. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What's that about? Well, Peter is saying we're bound for heaven. We've got that hope in front of us. But sometimes trials come our way as we are on the journey. And one of the reasons that those trials come is that they test our faith. It's like gold that is put into the fire so that the impurities are separated out and the gold is refined and comes out and shines. And your faith is like that when you come through those trials. If you respond to them in faith, your faith grows and it becomes stronger through exercise. That's the fourth way that faith grows stronger, through practice, through exercise. When you put it to use, it gets better and it gets better. So God brings trials your way. Sickness, bereavement, financial difficulties, conflict with other people, whatever it is, and every time one of those trials come, you have a choice to make. How are you going to respond to it? You can respond with panic and ultimately despair. Oh, this is awful. How am I going to get out of this? This seems to have no end to it. Boom, down you go. Or you can respond with faith. You can say, oh, this is hard, but God is with me. He's taking me to heaven. He's working all things for my good. He has his purpose in it, and I trust in him, and I rest in that. I'm not anxious, and I'm not worried. God will bring me through. I trust him. And when you respond to it that way, the faith gets stronger, doesn't it? And it grows. That's how our faith grows. We pray, we place ourselves in the way of God's word, we enjoy encouragement from brothers and sisters in the Lord, we exercise our faith when the trials come and God is glorified. So we want to be godly people. That's our purpose over these weeks. That's our reason for these studies. We want to be godly people. We've covered the first three steps toward being the kind of person who is described in Galatians chapter 5. Loving, joyful, peaceful, patient, kind, good, faithful, gentle, self-controlled. The first step, realize that godliness is not about keeping rules. Learn to enjoy your freedom. Don't let yourself be burdened down by a yoke of slavery. The second step, pray and plead with God that you will genuinely love his law with all of your heart. And the third step, do those things that increase your faith so that you're living by faith more and more as the days go by. No, you're not perfect and you never will be in this world and faith will never be perfect until we get to heaven. But do ask God to keep that faith growing and growing. 
and put yourself in the way of the things that will help. The Word of God, fellowship, practice, and much prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for the amazing promises that are contained in your word. And we know, Father, on our better days that those promises are so sure that they will never fail because you never fail. You are faithful and that is your nature and you can do no other than to keep every word that you have said. Oh, Lord, sometimes the clouds descend and faith seems to grow weak. And the world seems to be large and real and the things that other people say and the things that happen distress us. Oh, Father, strengthen our faith. We pray that you would grant us more faith. Grant us to trust you more. Grant us to be more sure of your promises and of your word. And then we pray that by the help of your spirit within, you would cause us to live in the light of those promises and seeing the world in a different way to delight in doing those things that you say. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.